Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. The views expressed in this episode are those of Kurt and Katie and are not necessarily representative of any organizations that Kurt and Katie are affiliated with. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And going on this week, the Union of Mental Health Care Workers working for Kaiser Permanente, a regional HMO insurance company, have authorized a five-day strike where they are not providing mental health services. And due to the timeliness of this, kind of the advocacy that Katie and I do around better payment for therapists, better access for mental health care for clients, and being able to work on the relationships between therapists and clients, we thought that this was a timely episode for us to bring this up to discuss, to kind of have our reactions to it. And this is really something where there's not usually a lot of opportunities for therapists to be a part of a union. There's a lot of antitrust laws that go around that. And those basically boil down to when therapists work for a singular employer, they're allowed to unionize going across employers doesn't really allow for that due to antitrust laws. So people working for another insurance type company that are kind of individually contracted aren't afforded these same rights. So we are talking about quite a number of different things on a number of different levels here, but this is initially sparked by the December 2018 strike by Kaiser Permanente mental health workers. That was a mouthful. I think that one clarification, because I think this is what you're saying, but I think a lot of folks get confused, is when you work for yourself, you're a single company. And so you can't unionize with other companies, other practices, because that becomes a trust. I don't know what that means. It really, (laughs) in consumer protection, what it does is, from a consumer standpoint, is that when you have competing companies, even if you're friends, when you have competing companies (laughs) agreeing to limit access or to set a bar of prices that they won't go below, that's considered antitrust. So when you are separate companies, you can't coordinate with other companies to set prices or to set access. And I think that's good for patients and I think that's good for clients. But I think oftentimes what we hear with this is that it really makes it difficult for therapists because insurance companies are huge. There's a lot of stuff that we come up against that as sole practitioners, we can feel really hindered by. But that's not the topic of this week's episode. We're talking about therapists who are actually able to unionize folks who are in Kaiser because they're all working for Kaiser. There's also folks that work for, you know, kind of government 
funded clinics. And so they can also unionize because they're all part of the same company. And I think what happens, and this is something where the people have different feelings about unions. I think oftentimes when you're looking at kind of workers' rights, unions can really provide a lot of support for folks who have generally in the past, especially before there were unions, were just enfranchised, were taken advantage of because the employer could set wages and they could do things where really you need money, you need a job, these are survival issues. And if you just had to take whatever was there, then you could not really support yourself, you can advocate for yourself. So unions provide some of the heft to kind of equalize the playing field. I think that's kind of how I imagine it. I think that there's oftentimes for folks who are anti-union, they look at how it can, you know, kind of lead to some different expenses for, for governments or for companies that can put them in a bind. But I think overall, and and I'm not going to speak for you, Kurt, but overall, I feel like if there's a way to balance the playing field and really come to nice resolution where workers are taken care of, companies can stay, stay viable. And in our business, that clients can get care, I think it's a good thing. And so to me, I think what we're talking about today is really looking at the, this specific strike, because there's there's claims on, on the, the union side that they're going to be advocating for better access, that they're advocating for improved mental health services. On the on Kaiser's side, they're saying that the, the union doesn't care about patients. They're just trying to get more money for their workers, which isn't a bad thing, but it, it, it kind of the whole idea of corporate greed versus collective greed is I came up with that one myself, but um, it, it lends the argument, what should we be fighting for and what actually should happen as a result of this strike or, or the negotiations. And part of what you may experience in this episode is, kind of Katie and I coming to what we are really trying to figure out as far as what advocacy is, because we do balance an antitrust sort of thing, but we also encourage all of you to be advocates for yourself and to advocate legislatively. So there is a balance of us even coming together, not necessarily on the business end that would come into antitrust sort of areas. When we are talking about therapist wages, this does really come as far as us being able to navigate that field. So I do come at this that change comes from kind of a tipping point of enough people speaking up together. And this is my passionate undergraduate sociology minor and looking at social movements and our hashtag therapy movement being an attempt at one of those. So yes. But I think in order to understand this strike, the Kaiser one right now, there needs to be just a, a brief historical perspective on this. And so to do this in as few of words as possible, I'm, I'm going to kind of hit on a couple of things. We are going to link some of this stuff as best as we can into our show notes. You can find those on mtsgpodcast.com. So that way you're going to be able to read and fill in whatever we don't end up having on this episode. But historically, this kind of starts in 2013 when Kaiser was fined by the Department of Managed Healthcare in California. They were fined $4 million for violating state laws requiring that patients receive timely access to mental health care, which is, I believe, for emergency situations for people to receive psychiatric care within 48 hours and non-emergency situations to receive mental health care within 10 business days. And apparently they were not meeting those thresholds. 
So they were assigned to a settlement in 2017 that included three years of outside monitoring for mental health services. And in our show notes, I'm getting this from an article from the San Francisco Examiner. So that'll be linked in here as well. As far as this particular strike goes, my understanding is that the union is claiming that clients are still not receiving services in a timely fashion. And this is both for new patients and for existing patients with some of the claims that I've heard in various sound bites suggest that clients aren't able to receive services maybe once every six weeks as far as therapy sessions goes. And even in more emergency type situations, clients are being assigned to group therapy rather than individual therapy. So, uh, not yet properly medicated bipolar being put into situations of group therapy for emotional management around that. The union is also claiming that the Kaiser system is also pushing for more profits. And even though Kaiser is called a nonprofit, this is an organization that has over $40 billion in their reserves, which is over 1,600% more than the state of California requires them to keep on hand, as I understand it. And also, in order to keep more of the employment within the Kaiser system, and I understand that Kaiser is hiring more and more clinicians who work out of their own offices in order to provide services to Kaiser members. These are my understandings of what the ask of the union is. They don't feel that those things are being met. Before I kind of dig in myself, I just want to make it clear that Kurt and I are not involved in either Kaiser or the union, or I've never been involved in working with Kaiser in that way. Have you, Kurt? I've never worked for Kaiser, and I agree. This is all information that we are having on the outside. We're forming an opinion around as people who are interested in mental health and in mental health care. And I, I, wa- I just wanted to clarify that because I objectively, I feel like I, I have a hard time coming up with a specific stance. I know you and I are kind of in different spaces with this, Kurt, but I, I know that because I don't, you know, I'm not on the inside either as an employee or as management at Kaiser, I think we want to be very cautious in how we talk about this. I think to me, one thing that I'm aware of locally, so I to kind of say that this is a slightly different thing is people are contracting with Kaiser insurance. So that's not the same as having employees outside working in their office. People stay independent practitioners and, and oftentimes, especially locally, there's folks who have been excited to take Kaiser insurance to help with access. And because it seems like it's a, it's, it's a pretty good insurance plan for the folks that are coming into private practice. So just to clarify that point, but I think in truth, I think just kind of word of mouth is kind of what you're saying. So if, if there's this objective report that you're reading that says that folks are not getting services on a weekly basis, that they're, you know, the initial things that are not happening, I think if, if that's what's happening, and it probably varies from clinic to clinic, I, I'm sure that there are different places that have different standards and protocols. I, you know, there are one organization, but they do have different practices from clinic to clinic, I would imagine, just because they're so big. But because that there there's these gaps or breaches or whatever in services where they're not actually 
really providing the services that they're supposed to, I think it should be addressed. I think definitely we need to make sure that mental health access is happening. We want to make sure that we are supporting not only the patients getting care, timely care, but also I think it is important for clinicians to have sufficient wages. I think from my experience, Kaiser clinicians are paid pretty well. And I think it does impact other organizations. You know, I worked, as you know, in a a government contracted agency. So not for the government, but a government contracted agency. And you know, I've, I've actually worked and interacted with several and because a lot of, because Kaiser has been hiring more clinicians because they pay well, community mental health is suffering (laughs) because people are, are leaving community mental health to go. So I do know that there's been increases in services. It sounds like it's not sufficient. It sounds like patients are still struggling and that's what these therapists are, are striking about. But I think to me to objectively kind of acknowledge if there is a move on the needle, maybe it's not sufficient, but I think, you know, kind of for me having the big fight of we need to go on strike, I feel like I don't have enough information to, to have an opinion about it, about whether or not the strike should happen. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. So I want to come back to your point on people leaving community mental health as a result of the wages that Kaiser pays. But in balance to our listeners, I do want to pull a couple of items first from the Kaiser statement on this particular strike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kaiser says in 2015, the National Union of Healthcare Workers, this is the union representing the employees, they receive generous wage increases, pay scale adjustments, bonuses ranging from five to $10,000. And that was because the union had not reached a contract agreement for more than five years. They are saying that the union is claiming that this is about care and access, but is actually about higher wages and benefits and demanding changes to performance standards, including a reduction of the productivity. The current goal is an average of 75% of the time, which the union agreed to in 2015, and the union apparently wants to reduce the amount of time seeing patients. It doesn't say what amount to. The union is seeking to stop Kaiser Permanente from contracting with highly qualified community therapists. And Kaiser says that any NUHW represented mental health care workers are currently paid significantly above the level of similar professionals in California. And Kaiser goes on to say that some of the improvements that they've made are measurement-based care, innovation, investing in people and places, 
and recognition. And uh, this includes more than $175 million to build new care sites, refurbish others, all with the goal of providing high quality mental health care. We'll include this press statement in our show notes as well. When we look at this labor movement that Katie was referring to of people leaving community mental health care and going to Kaiser. I have heard this from agency directors, not just in the Los Angeles area, from all over the state. And in some ways, I think that this is a good thing. I think mm-hmm. that if we are really talking about investing in mental health care, this allows for those government contracted agencies, those government agencies to be able to say, in order to provide quality and continued care to our patients, we need to have better funding. And I think that this is sometimes a short-term, uncomfortable thing that needs to happen to both therapists and to clients in order to be able to create a sustainability in our profession. I know of one particular agency in the, the Bakersfield, Fresno area, where they have raised starting pay for new licensees to nearly $100,000. This is in balance to the contracts that are being put out by losing clinicians to places like Kaiser. And they, they have a wonderfully rigorous interview process in order to get hired there. They are looking to improve and maintain their remuneration to employees in order to maintain them on staff. And in kind of seeing some of the changes and talking about the workplace culture that they've experienced over the last couple of years that they've done this, they talk about that their employees are happier for being recognized for the performance that they're putting out. And I don't think that, you know, in looking at where our wages are overall as a profession, and this goes back to Ben Caldwell's Saving Psychotherapy book, is that on average, master's level clinicians are making less than $50,000 a year. And this includes a whole number of other things, not just people who are employed in agencies and the Kaiser system. But if we're looking to raise our numbers overall, we need to advocate for ourselves and we need to do things that are in the interest of better pay for clinicians and better funding of the mental health system. I generally agree with that. I think that at times what can happen is in that transition period, it can be really challenging for agencies, for, you know, for-profit companies, for all of those things to figure out how to make it work. And I think that's where I think when it, when we're looking at these changes and, and maybe, maybe I'm just a Pollyanna over here, but I think being able to identify ways that we can all work together to, to improve those things rather than fighting against the machine kind of thing. Because I feel like there's, there's possibilities and there's people in these management positions, there's people within even the government systems, like there's all of these people have their hearts in the right place. It's to me, it seems like there's this, this, sometimes you need to strike, you need to do these things in order to really make the shift. But I wonder, and and this is why I'm saying I don't have the information, but I wonder, are there conversations that are actually problem solving conversations to make this happen? Or is it adversarial? Is it always adversarial? Because I think to me, when we look at the way that agencies improve, mental health services improve. Yes, when you're forced to figure something out, you oftentimes will be able to find things that you wouldn't find otherwise. 
But when we come together as creative individuals and we think through how do we take care of this? How do we make this work better? That to me seems like a better conversation. So I'm not saying that people shouldn't strike. I'm just saying that to me, as a Pollyanna, if we all come to the table and there's lots of great ideas that somehow we can make this work better versus, you know, kind of making it adversarial and forcing someone's hand. You're such a therapist. I know. I don't know what has happened in the negotiations leading up to this. I don't know the specifics of this particular contract. So I'm going to pull this out to larger labor movements, and I'm going to pull this into a kind of parallel process of what we would expect of our clients. And the way that I hear you talking about, can't we all just get along, seems almost (laughs) enabling to the system. What do you mean? If we are asking clients to make changes for themselves and they come back with, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. And you're like, oh, okay. I don't want things to be too uncomfortable in the short term in order to make long-term changes. I agree. That seems very Pollyanna-ish. And I know that the this is why union leaders typically aren't therapists is because mm-hmm. they are there to be adversarial. And therapists are really it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of getting out of our training in order to be good advocates to make these kinds of changes. I didn't say I didn't want it to be uncomfortable. I said I wanted, I wanted it to be productive versus adversarial. I think it's different. And I think for me, I've, I've sat on, I've not been involved in anything that was union related, but I've sat on the clinician side and say, Hey, we need the changes in our agency. And I've also sat on the management side, understanding all the different pieces that go into place. And so to me, I feel like there are conversations, difficult, uncomfortable conversations that can happen. I think once it's, once people step away from the table, it does force a hand and it does, it does shift it from potentially productive to adversarial. So that's, that's all I'm saying. I think we probably should shift because there was other stuff we wanted to talk about. I think to me, because therapists are non-confrontational, I think this must be very hard for these therapists because they're having to, to, to take a week off and not see their clients. They're having to, to stand up and do this thing. And I, I guess I just want to talk a little bit about from their, you know, like what they're going to be going through during this week and what, you know, what's been put out there. I mean, I know that there's been some offers for people to cross labor lines and kind of do scab therapy work, which is weird. And so, so let's shift to that. Cause I think that's, that's important to talk about as a modern therapist survival guide. My understanding of what is happening is that 24 seven psychiatric services are not being stopped, that those are still going on this week while the strike is happening. So this is not a complete shutdown of mental health care access. And from the union standpoint, if it's six weeks in between sessions, what's the difference between six weeks and seven weeks for outpatient therapy? (laughs) Even so, I know that those therapists are probably feeling that. I would imagine. I think they're doing it, but I think they're feeling it. And this is where maybe an adversarial approach is good for this because a corporation like Kaiser might be relying on the good heartedness of therapists to hurry up and come back and see your clients and to pressure them. I'm not saying that this is necessarily their negotiation tactic, but again, sometimes we have to do uncomfortable things in order to better things in the long term. Yes. And I think sometimes it can feel like taking a blowtorch to an anthill. So I just, I want (laughs) to, 
we want to move away from the adversarial versus productive because I don't know that we're going to agree on these things. Sure. But I so. think I think the the piece that that I think is important to, to consider, especially if like you and I being on the outside, is that we are on the outside. We can have an opinion, we can support, we can do those things. But I think one of the things that came out that that you and I had talked about a little bit, Kurt, is that they were asking therapists to come in and kind of cross labor lines in order to see clients. And in the in the guise of we need to provide access to mental health services, but they weren't offering these folks jobs. So I think it would be like one session or maybe two somehow. But given access at Kaiser, I don't think it's going to be two sessions in a single week. Right. And my understanding of this was the offers that I've seen floating around in various Facebook groups and by word of mouth seem to be in the pay range of over $5,000 of compensation for one week of work. It's a lot of money to a lot of therapists and would Uh be something that would make it very attractive in order to cross labor lines. If it's not apparent enough right now, I am quite pro-union. I I look at this from kind of a social movement sort of standpoint where if there is a free market that is trying to be established here, and I have heard from one person, not on record, but that this was offered as also an opportunity to be a Kaiser contracted therapist once the completion of the strike was done. So it's a pathway to get paneled with Kaiser even faster than what their normal system might be. Mm, Okay. So it's something where, you know, I, I assume that this is, this has come to a head that this is not something that was decided last week to start this week. This has been coming for quite a while that the, wonderful negotiation tactics have failed and that sometimes that this standing up really does need to happen. One particular Facebook group I saw somebody had posted a comment that was not necessarily recruiting for Kaiser, but was somebody who had brought some attention to, Hey, here's an opportunity. And within an hour, this had a couple hundred comments on it already. And most of the therapists not involved with Kaiser, even in this group, as far as I understand, most of the comments were in support of the union here. And some people were, you know, defending patient care, access to mental health care during this week, the timing of it being right before the holiday season when mental health care needs are rising due to either family pressures or grief and loss or a number of other things. Some people were defending a 40 plus billion dollar nonprofit as being yeah. nonprofit. But overwhelmingly, the support seems to be that if this is to increase patient care, patient access, if this is to better therapist positions to respect the investment in not only our education, but in continuing to improve ourselves, that most therapists seem to fall on the side of don't cross the picket line. Yeah, and I agree with that. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And I think that it's important that, you know, the 
from how I understand it, I, I really, you can feel it. I'm trying to be so objective, but as I understand it, what has happened here is that the union was really trying to negotiate and probably Kaiser was really trying to negotiate and they came up against a, a point where they couldn't get further and the union decided to strike. I think that trusting that that process has been working, that means that these clinicians need to be part of this ability to stand up and, and get higher wages, make sure that the client care is improved because in truth, and this was something that I was reading in a lot of the articles, is that the clinicians see the opportunity for Kaiser to become a state-of-the-art mental health clinic, and it really isn't right now because they they don't provide access as quickly as possible. They're they're working within systems that I think could be state-of-the-art, could be improved. I guess the question I have is, is what is the timeline? How does that work? How does that look? And I think because they're not 100% nonprofit, they're, I guess, a consortium of for-profit and nonprofit uh, things, I'm sure that there's probably proprietary information. But to me, you know, I, I was a patient for Kaiser and I was one of the people that loved being a patient for Kaiser. I'm not, I'm no longer a patient for Kaiser, but I loved the way their med, their mental health, their medical records worked. And I loved how, you know, all that stuff, like the, the way it works is very actually similar in a lot of ways on a patient side of Medicare for all, because everything is like, you just, you go and you see people and you don't have like 20 million different bills and it makes sense. <laughs> it works pretty well. And so the fact that they're falling down in this area is really disappointing. And I think that being able to, to get nudged into making really high quality mental health care is an exciting prospect. And so I hope that's the result of this. I hope the result is Kaiser really listens and, and continues to move forward with what they've been forced to do as well as what they might in a positive, you know, innovative, creative, Pollyanna way that they become this mental health care that I think you and I were talking about in the burnout machine where they're providing high quality care, paying well, you know, have reasonable expectations. I mean, that would be amazing. And so if, if the Kaiser therapists are able to do this, I, I, I'm all for it. And I, I certainly don't think people should cross these labor lines because I think it, it doesn't provide additional access really. It's, it's, it's a bandaid and we need to do more than have a bandaid. Sure. You're not going to build a therapeutic relationship with clients in one session. You're essentially pr providing triage sort of therapy in that situation. But the in looking at my current caseload, I have over 10% of my clients are Kaiser members, people who have insurance through Kaiser, who are unhappy with the access to Kaiser's mental health system and have chosen to go out on the free market and to pay for their services outside of the insurance that they're already paying for. Mm -hmm. So in even looking at this, and I haven't talked about this with any of my clients as far as improving the mental health care access that's, that they are receiving there, but I've noticed over the last few years the frustrations on the client end of being able to access this. So it's something where framing this as, you know, withholding services for members, I think, is mostly PR marketing. It's trying to spin a narrative that is not necessarily representative of both members and therapists' experiences that are out there. 
And in order to improve this for both, you know, I know that I've I've worked in buildings before that are less than state of the art. That I'm not convinced by Kaiser's statement that their $175 million investment to improve their infrastructure and improve their buildings is necessarily the wisest investment because we're a profession that's built on relationships. If I have an awesome therapist who has a 10-year-old couch, I'm going to go with the awesome therapist with the 10-year-old couch. I'm not going to go with the less than awesome therapist with the brand new couch. Yeah. Just reflecting on kind of the access aspect of it, I think I'm going back to the you know, like one week isn't going to be bad. So this is, you talked about two things. So I'm going to talk about the first thing first. I think if I were a therapist in that system, I probably knowing, I think they had to give 10 days notice. I'm sure the union was talking about the possibility of a strike before the 10 day notice. And so I think the first article I saw in this was back in October. So yeah. Well so, ahead of 10 days. Yeah. So, so they were already aware of it. And I think if I were a therapist in that system to my ability, cause I know that there's some scheduling that happens for Kaiser clinicians, I would, organize my, my schedule. I would potentially go on vacation if I, you know, if I didn't. <laughs> oh, and I, I would be coming up with creative picket signs. Yes. Yes. I, I potentially would take vacation time <laughs> so that I wouldn't schedule clients. And I think there's a lot of different ways that people handle it. And I think, um, and maybe I wouldn't go on vacation. I don't know. I, I've never been in a union. I don't know how these things work, but I think I would try to make sure that my clients were not impacted. And, and if, if, Emergency services are still present. This is really only hitting Kaiser in the pocketbook. So I think it's it's something where I'm sure that the clinicians at Kaiser are doing their best to take care of their clients while also standing up for better services and better access and better pay and, and situations for themselves. So I, I, I truly believe that everybody's being as responsible as possible. And, and I just, i I feel for them because it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. I don't know how pay is impacted when you're on strike. I just, I, I, I feel for you. Good luck. <laughs> generally, generally in the U S strike pay isn't a thing. I know in other countries, UK in particular, strike pay might generally be there, but these are people who are making a decision that is based on, I'm not going to get paid for this week and mm. impacting what, they're able to take home for the holidays what their what their families might be able to eat but these are people who in the last couple of months in the last couple of years leading up to this have authorized that they're not going to get paid for this week of work and fully are informed of the decisions that they're making for themselves i'm hoping that they have made the reasonable accommodations for their clients so i i think that this is something where when it become so personal that you're willing to cut out your pay. If you believe in it enough, do it. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Please join us in our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and check out our website for show notes to this episode, mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. 
Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.